today on The Breakdown. It's a non-breakdown breakdown with Grant and Jonathan. We're going to talk about the upcoming World Series of Poker, how we're going to prep for it, things you should think about, other questions, all sorts of other stuff. It's a World Series of Poker special edition breakdown podcast right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Yep, we're talking, of course, about the World Series of Poker 2018. I don't know when you're oh, listening yeah. to this. Smart. Glebe Glorp from the future might be confused. Yeah, we worry about good old Glebe Glorp. I often worry about Glebe Glorp. Yeah. So this is going to be pretty freewheeling. Just going to yeah. say that right off the bat. We're just going to kind of take this where, where it takes us and um, talk about general things about the World Series, what we're going to be doing, where you can find us, um, the tournaments we think are good for different bankrolls, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Maybe talk about some players who's like favorites to do stuff, things like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Be fun. So why don't we start by just talking about what we're going to be doing for the World Series of Poker, mm. what our schedule is, because, you know, we're available to the fans. If you want to come and say, hey, you want to talk, please do buy me something. That's fine with me. Yeah. You want to buy me lunch? I'm eating it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but doesn't, you don't have but to if do you're that. like really annoying, just don't. You're, you're welcome just to come over and say hi, by the way. You don't have to buy us anything Yeah, of at course. All. We are super happy to talk to you and shake your hand. And this is something things. that I've actually heard from people before that even though we've said this on podcasts like this before and in videos that like you can come up and talk to us, they sometimes see us and don't do it anyway because especially when we're playing poker, we might look like we don't want anybody to talk to mm-hmm. us, but that's just you know the way people look when they're playing poker. Yeah. But we're totally cool with, with talking to you, so... If you see us, go ahead. Yeah, as long as I'm not in a hand. If I'm in a hand, I don't 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 talk to me. But if I'm not in the hand, if I folded, the hand's over, feel free to talk to me. It's totally cool. All right, so let's talk about our schedule, Levy. Yes. All right, so we are arriving on what, June 8th? Yep. The next day, the Millionaire Maker starts. Yeah. Yes. That'll be the first bracelet event that uh, both of us play in the yep. summer. That was a fun one last year for me. And oh, yeah. Me. Jonathan got to uh, day three of the Millionaire Maker. Yep. Unfortunately, did not go further. No, because pretty what, much an hour into day, you got three, what was, like a hundredth place or something like that. Yeah, some hundred and second, something yeah, like that. Out of like seven thousand people, but I think it was nine thousand. Still, a hundred does not pay anywhere near final table numbers. Uh, it hurts a lot. You it know? hurts a lot when you get that close. It actually look. It always hurts, but man, like I woke up that third morning thinking about one of us is going to win a million dollars, and there's only a hundred of us left. This is pretty. Amazing. I think there were hundred twenty of us actually that when we started. And it was pretty exciting, but yeah. then I did not win a million dollars or right. come close to it, really. And then uh, we'll be there until we bust the main event. Yes, which starts on July third, I believe. Yeah, so we'll be busting by July eighth for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully uh, not. There actually is a fifteen hundred dollar bracelet event that happens starting like with the second day two of the main event. Oh, so yeah. if if one of us is still in there, I might play that. If you're still in, and yeah, I think yeah. that I'm sure. I'm sure. That's what we'll do. And yeah. if, by the way, if we both bust, we'll probably both play it, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Right. So let's talk about the cool events that are going on this year. Yeah. We uh, just talked about a few, but there's there's some other ones. Yeah. So there's a new one this year. It's called the Double Stack. Grant is super excited for I'm this. pretty excited about the Double Stack. First of all, it is a 1K buy-in, and they've never done a special thing on a 1K buy-in besides a seniors or ladies event before. Mm. They haven't done like a special different structure thing on a 1K buy-in. They only do that on the 1500 buy-ins with the Millionaire Maker and the Monster Stack. Yeah. And... uh I think it's going to attract a lot of new World Series players. Like, 1K just feels a lot more palatable, I think, than 1,500 to a lot of people. Yeah, I think you're right. And the double stack is really going to attract a lot of noobs. The, the, name, <laughs> the name double stack is really going to get them in there. Yeah, that usually, that usually works pretty well. Right, so, so we're definitely playing that. So generally, um, 
the way World Series of Poker tournaments are structured, they've changed it over the years. But at this point, what they do is they give you three times your buy-in. Is that right? No, it's yes. more now. No, it's three times. No, it's actually more than that because you start with 7500 in $1,500 events. Normally? Uh, last year, they started doing that or maybe even the year before. Really? Wow. God, I have no recollection of that anymore. Okay, I'm going to believe you. I don't know. Is it 5X? You're saying they 5X Yeah, they 5X now? you're starting. So yeah, ridiculous. that's what it is. I mean, whatever. It's just such a such a ridiculous thing they're doing to like bring in people. But well, it's not, it's not actually ridiculous because the common complaint, and I, this is something I want to bring out, a common complaint I've heard of people who have never gone to the World Series and really like a deep structured tournament, I'm saying that with air quotes, is they see that the starting stack is 7500 for a $1,500 right. tournament. And they're like, that's tiny. At my local club, we start with 15K, right. you know? It's not really how it is. I mean, like the tournament takes four days for a reason because the structure is incredibly good. Yeah, the like even the fifteen hundred dollar events, they're hour long levels. Like you cannot pick up a hand for three hours, especially in the beginning anyway, and it's fine. Like it's not great, but it's fine. Like you're yeah. still alive. You have more than enough play left. Yeah, even the non special fifteen hundred dollar and one K events take three days. Right. The third day isn't even the final table yet. I mean, in the the event that I final tabled last year. We got to day three. There were still 34 players left. Oh, yeah? Yeah, something like that. And when did you... But but the final table happened that same day, it right? It did. Yeah, okay. It did. Um, so all that to say, if you haven't been to the World Series before and you look at the structure sheets and you see, oh, it's only... The double stack means 10K, which usually for a 1K buy-in is 5K. That's nothing. Why do I care? It's actually quite a deep stack for the World Series of Poker yeah. and the structures yeah. with the hour levels. And... Ooh, that one's going to be soft. That one's going to be good. Um, certainly, I'm going to play the... Mo- I know Grant's going to do this too. Play the monster stack. Sure. Um, that's going to be super wonderful. That was great last year as well. I did not cash in that, but I went... I made it to day two and felt like it was a great tournament. And uh, Jonathan, you were you were mentioning to me before mm. we started this podcast that you feel like a lot of people who haven't been are kind of intimidated by the World Series of Poker. They yeah. think that's where all the best players are. And, you know, I'm just going to be a small fish in a big pond and I'm going to get crushed. And that's not necessarily true. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I remember the first time I went to Las Vegas many moons ago and wondering if I could play in the cash games in Vegas, how was that going to go? And I played like a one, two game in the, at Excalibur, you know, and Excalibur is like, you know, a crappy little casino on the strip. And it was fine. Cause everyone's horrible. By the way, everyone's horrible about one, two, Everywhere in the world. Yep. Doesn't ma- and Las well, Vegas doesn't make them any except better. Except online, I suppose. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. But um, yeah, but like live, it's they're all gonna be the same. Like maybe the game you play at home is slightly softer, but it's full of bad players no matter what. Like the good players don't play one two. Right. So like if you want to play one two, you're gonna be fine if you're any good at poker at all. It's okay if you're not, by the way, too. But like it's not gonna be, oh my god, this is such a tough this is a you know, the gauntlet. It's not. It's not the gauntlet. Maybe if you want to play five ten at Bellagio, maybe it's gonna be a little more of the gauntlet. Then yeah. you're gonna have like a bunch of pros who know what they're doing, who are used to these stakes, and that's gonna be hard, right? And maybe you're gonna get you could get your hat handed to you. But like the lower stakes stuff, you're going to be fine. And this is true, by the way, also for, ter- for lower stakes tournaments. So $1,500, I know, is for a lot of people, like feels like a lot of money. And it is. It is. You know? But like there's a, every day there's a $400 tournament somewhere. And ma- usually multiple $400 tournaments, basically, in, in the, the World Series. Or in Vegas, I should say, during yeah, the World Series. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what tournaments people should be looking for if they haven't gone before. Yeah. Or if it's been a while or anything like that. I mean... The three tournaments we've mentioned so far, the double stack, which is 1K, the Millionaire Maker, which is 1,500, and the Monster Stack, which is 1,500, 
those are going to be your best bets as far as the softest World Series of Poker bracelet fields. Yeah, that's probably true. So if you have that type of bankroll and you want to play in a bracelet event for the first time, I would choose one of those. Probably the double stack is the number one choice you should pick. Mm-hmm. Um, there, little little disclaimer. Some some of the pros will be playing like maniacs early in the double stack because it is unlimited reentry until uh, the yeah. end of the reentry period. So I might be one of those people who's playing a little <laughs> bit like a maniac in that thing. Um, but that's okay. It's easy to play against that, right? Yeah. yeah just you just like have it and call. Yeah, because the structure is deep enough. You don't have to have a reentry in your pocket to to be profitable in that tournament. Right. It's a deep enough structure. So yeah, the monster stack. Obviously, we know it can be won by pretty much anyone i mean not really but our friend mitch won the monster stack in 2016 yes. and that was the third tournament he played that year i think yeah he's not like a poker tournament pro he's just a smart guy who's good at poker and knows what he's doing but he won for 1.1 million dollars so highly recommend playing those tournaments if you have the bankroll for absolutely it. um and then there's like i was saying there's a 400 dollars tournament pretty much every day aria usually has one the win usually has one and those are great tournaments. And when I say great, I mean, not that the structure is amazing, but like you're not going to bump up against too many like highly skilled players. You're just going to see lots of really soft, poor poker play, which is if you're looking to score big in a tournament, that's a pretty good place to be. Yeah. And uh, the structures are, are, are pretty good, though, for one day yeah, tournaments. That's like, true. I like the win in particular. The win daily $400 tournaments are really nice they you only start with 120 bigs but the structure is reasonably good and it's just nice to be there it's just a good place i mean the same is true of the aria although i've never quite liked their tournament as much i think the structure is slightly worse they also rake it a little bit harder oh do they yeah so it's not a huge difference but if you're going to play multiple of them the win rakes uh out of the 400 dollars, it rakes 40 dollars plus a percentage and the for the dealers and stuff and it ends up coming out to like 36 dollars or sorry $56 Mm $56 for the rake and the Aria just rakes a straight $60. Uh, So it's a slightly, it's yeah, it's close. I will say that the Aria, I played a few of the Aria tournaments last year and definitely it was uh, plus EV as we like to say. Sure. Plus EV. But but again, that's true for any tournament in Las Vegas at this time, or really at any time at these price points, like there's the daily deep stacks, which are what, like three sixty fives and stuff like that. I think there are a lot of cheaper daily deep stacks as well. There's like one sixty five, two sixty five, and three sixty five, something like that. A lot of players want to go to Vegas to play cheaper tournaments during the series and end up playing the daily deep stacks, right. which is not a horrible shot to take because of the smaller buy-in tournaments, they're going to have the biggest prize pools. They're going to get 1,500 players sometimes. I would also say it's probably the worst play at that price point in Vegas. That said, the edge you might have is smaller because the structure is dog crap. Horrible structure. Yeah, it goes really fast. Yeah. I mean, they finish in one day, right? They go from 1,500 to one in one day. So it's got to move. You got to be willing to gamble it up a little bit in that game. Yeah. So, I mean, if you really are looking to like play poker in Vegas during the series, I don't think those tournaments are for you. If mm-hmm. you're looking for a spot where you could win 40K from like a $300 buy in, that's, that's a shot to take. Uh, a lot of people are probably looking for a spot like that. Yeah, for sure. I would think. Yeah. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, assuming you don't want to buy into the main event or any of the other really big tournaments, uh, a tournament that I played last year that if I bust early in the Millionaire Maker, again, this year I will be playing. I'm not sure Jonathan's still on the fence. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to play it, but Grant's uh, definitely playing it. I am. And if your bankroll is a little, a little bit bigger and you want to really challenge yourself in, in Vegas in, in a bracelet event, recommend the Marathon. The Marathon, which is a five-day event, it has 100-minute levels, which uh, next to the main event and the super high buy-in tournaments is the longest levels. It's a $2,620 buy-in, which 
they do that. It's like the kitschy marathon themed thing because 26.2 miles. Um, and you get 26,200 chips to start. So it's a super deep stack tournament. You can buy in all the way to the end of day one. And even if you buy in at the very end of day one, you go into the next day with over 100 big blinds, I think. Wow. It, it's a crazy deep tournament. And it being a Monday through Friday tournament means it's also pretty tough. Yeah. Now, I might have been somewhat unlucky, but the first table I got at the marathon was by far the toughest table I've ever played at in my life. I only recognized one player. It was Kevin McPhee. But the other players were all guys I didn't know who they were, but I was like, that person is clearly a pro, and I am terrified of them. Uh-huh. And it was really fun, especially in the deep structure, to to learn and adjust as I was playing because I'm always playing in these, you know, three to five hundred dollar buy-ins, except for during the World Series, and playing against a lot of bad players and like a very rarely a good player, but not a really good player, you know. And I don't have to adjust that way. Yeah. So. If you've got a bankroll to burn and you don't mind being slightly minus EV, depending on your skill level, I, th- I still believe myself to be plus EV in the marathon, although not nearly as much as these other tournaments we're talking about. It's a really good tournament to go just like kind of test your metal mm. and see what a really deep stack tournament with a lot of pros is like. And it's, it's it was a really cool experience, and I think I grew a lot from it, and I highly recommend it to anybody who can afford to lose that money. Yeah, fair enough. Which is why, Jonathan, I think you should play it. <laughs> I know. I know you do. I don't know. There's lots of, there's lots of downsides to it for me. Uh, one is uh, it's a five-day tournament, which is freaking brutal. Um, number two, it's a little pricier than some of the other cheaper tournaments, like the 1500s. Um, although I am going to play the main event and have to pay for that one, too. But, you know, whatever. Um, also, those are days like I may want to like be playing other things. Like I want to get some cash in there, too, and... I don't really know what I'm doing. Also, I mean, you know, I don't love being, you know, only a little plus EV if I can, or minus EV or whatever. I don't know what I would be in that tournament. I've never played it. Um, But I would love to be, you know, as plus EV as possible all the time. Yeah. You just got, you got no ability to just jump off the cliff and fly, do you, Levy? No. Just do it. I'm more of a, like, am I on belay? I'm I'm coming down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if uh, if you end up at the marathon, maybe I'll end up at your table as, as long as... And I'm talking to the listeners because I yeah. assume Levy doesn't have the balls. Um, as long as I don't go deep in the millionaire maker. Yeah. that That's the case. And by the way, there are cheaper than $400 tournaments. Yes. If you are. want. There's there like, are lots of like cheaper the ones. Binion's has like $100 tournaments every day, I think. Totally. Yeah. Maybe the Golden Nugget, too. There's like there's multiple tournament series going on throughout the World Series at a bunch of different casinos. So there's stuff for every flavor, every flavor of tournament you're looking for. Every flavor, yeah. Jonathan. I said it. I meant it. And we've been talking a lot about live poker, but let's talk about a different flavor of poker. Online poker and Nitrogen Sports Poker Room, who is sponsoring this podcast. Yes, I queued you right up for that when I said flavor. Oh, huh? you knew it. Flavor was the trigger right there for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, if you want to play a Super Plus EV tournament, no matter how bad you are at poker, it doesn't matter. You should play in our monthly Poker Guys Nitrogen Sports tournament. It is almost a free roll, very close to it. It's under a dollar to buy in. The guarantee is just under a thousand bucks, and this is in Bitcoin. You know, it's 0.1 millibits to buy in, 100 millibit guarantee. And the most players we've ever gotten is 73. Yeah, so that means you're getting 14 to 1 on your money. If you get the uh, most players we've ever had, it's 14 to 1 on your money. That's ridiculous. You're basically just throwing away money not to play this thing. And it's fun. You get to play with the poker guys. Yep. You just got to use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen, or else you don't even get to see the tournament. And, you know, that would make you sad, I assume. Yeah, I think it would. 
Nitrogen, of course, is a Bitcoin-only poker site, which means you don't have to deal with all of the BS. If you ever look at poker news, it's like constantly something new about how some some poker site is shuttering and and people's money is getting taken and stuff. But Nitrogen doesn't hold the money in any of their own personal accounts or anything like that. Your wallet on Nitrogen is just a Bitcoin wallet. Mm -hmm. And when you withdraw the money, it's just a Bitcoin wallet sending to your other Bitcoin wallet. So there's no oversight to that. It's just on the Bitcoin blockchain. It takes 5 to 20 minutes, and they're not going to full tilt you. That's right. Yeah. So it's pretty great. Uh, We're big fans. Of course, they're not just a a poker room either. They're also a sports book and a casino, which is nice for lots of reasons. You know, if you like to bet the ponies. bet, Bet some soccer, maybe some... I have been known to place a sports bet on nitrogen sports. Book. I wonder if they have esports. I wonder if you can bet esports. You know, they have they sponsor an esports team. You probably can bet esports. Well, maybe you should check that out then. Well, I gotta get some. I got this money burning burn a hole in my pocket right now. There's an edge there that nobody sees yet. Exactly. You know, we're gonna find it. You know, it's actions per minute, man. Actions per minute. Well, no, that's the obvious one. I'm not. No, talking about... no, no. Sub actions per minute. No. Subliminal actions <laughs> per minute. Anyway. Anyway, let's get back to the podcast. Okay. All right. So next thing I want to talk about is f- favorites. So oh, okay. I'm not going to ask it in the traditional sense, but if you could pick, let's go with three players. Three players that you think have a, like, if you had to choose, who's going to win three No Limit Hold'em bracelets this summer? Which is a very hard thing to do. And I, we're saying one person will win three? Yeah. Or just three players in between them, they win three? No, one person to win three. Okay. Who's, who are the most likely? I mean, that's a crazy question. How mu- has that ever happened? Has anyone ever won three in a, in a summer? No limit hold'em bracelets? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So why are we asking that question? Uh, I mean, we could do it. You're, I mean, you're just sort of saying who do you, who we think are the best players. Who, is the be- who, who, who are the three top no okay. limit hold'em tournament players right. who are going to be navigating these World Series fields really well? Yeah, that's an interesting question. The first person that comes to my mind is Scott Seaver. Scott Seaver, he's a good uh, one. You want to pick someone who's going to play all the events yeah, um, and thinks at a super high level and isn't afraid. Right. Scott Seaver strikes me as all of those things. Yeah. My, my question with him is if he actually would play all the events. That's a fair if question. He would, if we would deign it to be below him to, to be playing these right. 1K and 1500 well, events. Well, I mean, I've, I've played a $1,500 event with Scott Seaver before, so... At least, and it was a limit yeah. hold'em event. Even he was not happy to be there. Was like <laughs> I can't, I could tell he was just like rolling his eyes. Like it was like, what am I doing here? Bracelet hunting. Yeah, really. It's so maybe like he's that. done with bracelet hunting. I mean, you know? okay, but he used to do this. I imagine he probably still is. Yeah. All right, I, I got one then. Good. I think because he will certainly be bracelet hunting and playing all of the events and is not scared. I'm just gonna have to go with the classic Daniel Negreanu. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna pick somebody who's gonna play all of the the no limit events, you know, he's a guy. He's a pretty reasonable guy to pick for sure. He's quite good. He plays in such a way that is different than a lot of the, the very best players in the world. But in a field like the World Series where you're playing against so many amateurs, because he's so friendly, they're going to give him more information. And they may actually take it easy on him a little bit more yep. than they would some of the other guys. Like, like a lot of these players are, are going to want to not bust him. Like I'm playing with right. Daniel Legrano. I don't want to bust him here. Right. They feel yeah. a little bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, I see that even I played a cash game. Uh, when, oh, no, was it was it a tournament? It was a cash game. I don't even remember. I played some. Oh, no, it was a cash game where a guy like flopped top set on me. And then instead of just betting it, he check he check min raised me. And honestly, it was like the easiest fold in the world. And he's like, yeah, I knew you'd be able to fold. But and then another time he like turned to flush and just donked out really big. And so I folded my hand, whatever it was. I was definitely going to bet both times, by the way, you know, and like it's just like he just and he's like, yeah, I just felt bad. And even if part of that is true, only a little part of that is true, something in there, I believe, is true, 
with that, where they like want to make it a little easier. They want they want to like say, no, no, I have it. Don't lose your money to me. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. So Dan Grano has some of that going oh, for him. He's got probably the most of that of anybody. Yeah, I would think so. Now, who who's your number two? You got another guy or a girl? Uh, yeah, I, w- I was thinking about it a little bit. Um, I think it's got to be one of the Germans. Yeah. You know, ultimately. I don't want to be the obvious guy and say Federholtz. He's probably not going to play a lot of the smaller stuff anyway, you know? Maybe not. Um it's hard of it's hard to really know which of the Germans. Like they're all kind of they all kind of I pin them all with the same. So you're just gonna brush. pick Germany? <laughs> can I do that? Can I pick a country? Yeah, you can pick Germany. I don't know. Uh, maybe I just think. I mean, uh, the most of the Germans I think of are all high roller type guys. So maybe they're not gonna play all the 1500 events anyway. Yeah, maybe I not. I don't know. Um, an interesting guy is actually Joe McKeon. Yes, that's a good one. He's really good. He's playing all the events he did last year for sure. Yeah. Actually, I was playing at one of the 1500s I played. I th- Jonathan Tamayo was at my table. Mm-hmm. And he, I guess he, like, roomed with Joe McKee, and they, like, stayed in the same place. And he was sort of laughing about how Joe always busts right away because I think he's playing super high variance in these things because he's just trying to get a big stack or right. get, get to the cash games. But, like, that can work. And Joe's the kind of guy where if he can go deep, he is death. Yeah. You know, he really knows what he's doing. He pot controls well. He reads people well. He gets great value. He's not afraid. He's got all the money. He's already got the recognition. So he's going to be able to play more clearly, like a clear head, I think, than a lot of people. I like Joe McKeon. Joe McKeon is a, a good one. My number two is a guy that I we both recently became extremely impressed with during a podcast that we were doing about him. And he is a high roller type guy, but I know last year he played all the events because I saw him registering for all of them late. He was late registering all of them, doing yeah. a high variance thing. Jake Schindler. Ah, uh, Jake Schindler. That guy is just so freaking good, man. Like... He's crazy good. You remember that podcast we did with what, Jake Schindler? What was the one that you're thinking of? Which the one, one uh, it was from the Poker Masters or something like that. It was at the Aria. It was him against Ryan Reese and um, yes. another crusher. Yes. I forgot who it was. I remember. Yeah. Was it Ryan Fee? No, it wasn't Ryan no. Fee. No. That was where Schindler was in the small blind and he flops two pair. Yeah, well, queen Top two? Yeah, he flops queen jack on a queen jack nine board. And it goes like, they check to the original raiser. He bets Jake just calls somehow. Reese raises with a straight. Yeah. The other guy calls. Jake calls. Turn is a brick. And Jake checks. I think Reese goes all in. And Jake finds a fold with top two, right? Yeah. And it's like, wow. And we, we obviously, you know our podcast. We went super in-depth and kind of found out that all of his decisions were correct. Yes, Like, everything right. made perfect sense, and we would have never played it that way. We right. would have never thought to we, play we it that way. We were both like, we're, we're both going broke here for yeah. sure. Easily. Happily. Fist pump broke. You know? Yeah, and he, he figured it out real quick on the spot right there, and that, that type of poker thinking, if he can just get a couple stacks, I give him a shot to be the guy who does that. That's good. I don't know if he's going to play a lot of the events or not, but if he is, that's... I know really he did good. last year. I just Oh, did. that's right. So, yeah, you said that. That's, so it that's depends fair. on if he does or not. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, we got to come with a third one, too? I got, I got a third one already. All right, so go ahead. Pratush Padiga. Ah. He plays all the events. Um, he was at the final table with me, actually, and yeah. he is uh, an elite tournament mind. Really knows how to navigate these big fields, knows what he's doing. Mm. So I think he's got a good shot. That's good. I don't have a third one right now. Okay. I'm just going to... Why don't you pick Phil Helmuth for fun? I was thinking about it, but yeah. I can't do it. You know he's going to play all the events. He's going to bracelet hunt like I crazy. Know. But whatever. Pick uh, Todd Brunson. <laughs> I'm going to pass on that one too. And Sammy Farha. I'm going to pass on all those guys. Not, you don't want to pick Sammy Farha? I'm not going to pick Sean Shiki or Mike Mattisau or any of those guys. No. Jamie Gold? No. I don't know. Maybe Paul Wasco will make a little appearance. Does he even play anymore? 
I don't think he does. He had a really good run there for a while back in the day. Anyway, so I don't have a third one right now. If I think about it, maybe I'll come up with a third. All right. I wasn't prepared for this question. I got another top three question for you. Okay. It's going to be fun, guys. Okay, let's do it. All right. Who are the three players you would most like to see at the main event final table? Oh, that's not, great. Question is not well, who would be best for poker, but what would be the most entertaining to you? Okay, well, Phil Helmuth has got to be on that list. Yeah, right? he does. I mean, I can understand all the things people say, and we have issues with Phil in lots of ways. I don't. I wouldn't be rooting for him, but he would be entertaining as it would be so. It would be incredible. Yes, I got to put Phil on that list. All right, I got my number one, and it has a lot to do with Phil Helmuth, and he's never going to make the final table, but it is Tony G. Tony G is great. Can you imagine if Tony G makes the main event final table? Not only would that be amazing to watch, but I think also it would be good for poker. Phil Helmuth making the final table might not be good for poker. Tony G would be, as long as Tony G wasn't too much of a bully, because then people might like, it might turn people off. Yeah. You'd have to do slightly more fun with it, but he's amazing. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Yes. I mean, when they had 10 left, I would be rooting so hard for Tony G to make the final table. The next three nights would be so much more fun. Yeah. You know, um, I would say another person who I think would be fun to watch, really fun to watch at the final table would be Faraz Jaka. Mm. Uh, so that's a guy who's just going to play almost any two cards in almost any situation. He's all about, you know, five betting all in with Jack three off and stuff like that. I mean, he plays this crazy game, even if he toned his game down and for him tightened up, it would be so different than anything we've seen at the world series in years. I think at the, at the final table, the main event. Yeah. So I would love to see that. Now, my second answer is has to do with an extreme recency bias, but whatever. I don't even know how well he plays in tournaments, but I want to see Dan Zach. Yeah, I was thinking about him even for my the, like who's going to win all the bracelets. Yeah. I was like Dan Zach's a pretty good guess. Yeah, but... Dan Zach, who we've done a couple recent podcasts on. They're both cash game hands, but yeah. we very recently man, he's killing it that guy that cash game hand where he made this elite above the rim bluff on the river and. I get the feeling he's not going to be cowed by the moment at the main event final table, and he's going to be the guy pushing the action, which so few players are willing to do. Yeah. So if you don't know who Dan Zach is, just check out some Dan Zach hands. Just look him up on, on YouTube. He's really fun to watch. So yes. I, I think he's my number two guy. All right. My number three guy, it's, it's a bit of a strange one, but I'm going to go with Jack Sinclair. It's Jack Sinclair who You want him to make it, it again? Yeah. But who busted last year at the final table. Yeah. He was the only guy, I guess, um, is it? Scott Blumfeld is that is that Bloomstein Bloomstein yeah this tells you like how how little a mark he's made in some ways that yeah. I don't even know his last name That's, right even though he's a perfect seems like a perfectly good guy yeah um but like Sinclair and maybe Blumstein to some degree but Sinclair especially was the only guy who was playing at that final table the way you're supposed to play you know he was like pushing his edges he was looking for the spots he was raising and calling it off in spots that no one else at the table would be doing because he's like I'm supposed to call here so I call period yeah you know and Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But I thought he had a great chance to win the tournament if his he got it in at one point with like ace queen or something against like king seven and didn't hold. And if he had won that hand, I think he would have had a pretty good chance to win the tournament because of his style was almost was like a smart queen win, a good poker playing queen win. Sure. Someone who understands. I want to see that, and we I feel like we just don't ever see that at the final table. Yeah. So I was I was really rooting for him. I had bet on him because I believed in him, but also I was just like. Thank you. Yes. Don't tank here. This is an easy call. Right. Instead of like tank forever and fold what feels like a super straightforward spot. Like Gordon Vale. Like Gordon Vale. Like um, Ott. Dan Ott did that with pocket eights once. Yeah. Remember? Someone moved in for like six blinds and he just like tanked forever. Something like that. I, I still remember um, at, when we were at the World Series of Poker last year, just thinking of Gordon Vale. 
we had we had like a six month period where we we took a lot of shots at Gordon. We did. We really did. Veilbot two point oh. And uh, you know, I was like kind of dreading seeing him at the series, and I never actually encountered him except one time when I parked in the Rio. He was walking out to his car, and I was walking to the Rio, and I was like making a big effort not to be seen by him. I was like, if he has seen our videos at all, I don't want him to see me right now. Like, I mean, in the same fashion, I was talking, I just met um, Evgeny Timoshenko and Calvin Anderson for the first time. This is when you were making oh, your run. Oh, and Valentin Vornicu. And Valentin Vornicu like, came up because he's friends with those guys, at, right. least, at least Calvin. And he sat down, they're like, this is Val. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, please don't know who I am. Please don't know who right. I am. Right. No, actually, that was that was the same tournament where I was playing with him the night before oh, yeah. at the same table. And we even talked a little bit. And I was like, is he just going to avoid it and put it under the rug? Because we really crushed him in that one hand. Multiple times. Multiple hands, I think we yeah. crushed him, really. But yeah, yeah. that one hand, especially. Yeah, the like, hand. if he recognizes me at all, he probably really doesn't like me. Yeah. It, and like, yeah, he, he was actually two to my left and had a huge stack. And I was like, is he going to three bet me all the time because he hates me? <laughs> <laughs> but he probably should know who we were. Yeah. Probably never saw the video. That's anyway. probably exactly what happened. That's great. Yeah. But yeah, that I remember that really well. But that's awkward for you, especially because you're like a captive audience. You're talking to Calvin Anderson and you've got me, well, Timoshenko, and he also, comes Also, they like know who I, they know who I am. Yeah. Evgeny was like a, I would not say he was a fan of ours, but he like definitely, he was like, it's the poker guys, yeah. you know? Um, and like, he was all excited to talk to us and stuff. And it wouldn't have been crazy for him to like go out of his way to explain to Val who we were, you know what yeah. I mean? Which would have, could have gotten awkward in a hurry. Yeah, but it didn't. I can imagine in some funny scenarios there. If if yeah. he does know who who we are, of course, it's a super awkward scenario for you immediately if he's like seen the videos. If he doesn't, what if he asks, "Hey, have you have you ever done any videos about my main event run?" I would probably say, "You know, I just don't even remember. We make so many." Yeah. Just like <laughs> lie. That would be the move, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. We should tell more stories like that. Those are fun. Yeah, those are pretty great. Yeah. All right. I still haven't said my third. Okay. And it's kind of a cheat because I want to do a three-player combo. And you made, you kind of led me to think of this. All right. I'd like to see a previous main event winner back at the final mm. table. And the three that I that come to mind are two of my favorites who I think are two of the better players of the recent main event winners and one who was just entertaining. And that's Kui Win as the entertaining one. Yeah, sure. And then the other two that actually I want to see more than him probably are Jonathan Duhamel and Joseph McKeon. Cool. I'd, lo- I'd love to see any of those guys at the final table again. That'd be a lot of fun. Nice. Hey, why don't we switch gears? Talk a little this bit isn't about a car show. Oh, or a bicycle. Why don't show. we? Uh, why don't we um, shuffle the deck? Shuffle up and deal out a new a new topic. Okay. All right. Um, so, as people who are listening to this, some of them are planning to go to the World Series. Some of them are probably considering it. Yeah. Um, Definitely at times anyway, we get questions like, how should they prepare for the World Series? Yeah. So we could talk a little bit about that anyway. Um, absorb as much Poker Guys material as possible. I mean, that's not a bad idea. It's honestly not. Um, I mean, we don't mind shouting out to other other guys, right? Like, uh, you've recently done the core thing from Red Chip Poker. Yeah. And, and that has some fundamental stuff that's pretty good, right? Yeah, it's definitely pretty good. Yeah. Definitely, and, I mean, there's some stuff that isn't great, but there's a lot of it that's And good. that's a Christian Soto vehicle, so yeah, that's we, Poker Guys approved. We, we like us some Christian Soto. Oh, I mean, it's totally worth the money. I'll say that. Like, if, you know, if you're, if you're interested, you have to put the time into it, but if you're interested, that's, that's a useful way to go. I think another thing is just playing a lot of poker. Like Absolutely. You got to get yourself. You got to put yourself in situations so that way you have a feel for what you want to do. I feel like, especially now, is I've been studying a lot of poker lately. The last like three weeks or so, and I'm planning on studying every day basically till we start playing for mm-hmm. real at the World Series. And uh, so a lot of what happens is like the study happens away from the table. Like yeah. you, f- you do your best in the moment, but you, c- you can't know. You can't figure everything out. At least as you get more sophisticated with some of this stuff, you just can't know 
well, what hands belong in what, what tranche, if you will. Like, should I be folding this? Should I be calling this? Should I be raising this? You can do your best, but you have to work all that stuff out later. And so by playing, you give yourself the opportunity to say, like, this is a spot I did not know what to do. And then you sit down, you do your best to figure it out, like away from the table. And that's really valuable, especially there's a lot of spots which you might be in a lot, like button versus big blind spots on both sides. If you can work some of that out, it's incredibly useful. Yeah, I agree. And it helps to have somebody to talk to who knows what they're talking about. Yeah. And I wasn't planning on talking about this. This isn't a shill, but we do offer poker coaching. We don't often talk right. about it. That's true. We do offer poker coaching. We've been in these World Series spots. If you haven't been and you're, you want specific World Series of poker coaching, we can, we can do that. You can just contact us through uh, the form on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, you can tweet at us. You can do whatever yeah. you want. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so that's useful. Reading books is useful, of course. Um, talking to people. Any, any way you want to absorb your poker information is good, but playing is useful, too. Well, what do you say to people who they've never gone, they're excited to go? How, how do you, you calm your nerves the first time you sit down in a bracelet mm. event in the Amazon room and you're just like, you're there, you're really there. You plop down $1,000 or $1,500 or whatever it was and maybe it's the biggest buy-in of your life. Like, how, do you, how do you deal with that without like, freaking out and playing suboptimally because you're right. just overwhelmed by the moment? Well, I will say for myself anyway... I think probably when I go to the World Series, the first event every year, I feel a little bit like that anyway. Yeah. Um, and for me, I don't necessarily do anything, so I don't have a good answer to this, except just to know that it passes pretty quickly. Like, pretty quickly, you're just playing poker. Like, yeah. you're busy playing poker. You don't really have time to do this other stuff. So the only thing that's important, though, is I'll tell, I think I've told this story before on this show, but we've been doing this podcast for like four years now, so I'm going to sure. tell this story quickly again, where a friend of a friend was playing in the main event, and it was the first hand of the main event, and he was on the TV table. This is back in the day when they were like, and Eric Lindgren was the star at the TV table. That's how long ago it was. Yeah. Right? It was like full tilt or whatever. And like there were a bunch of limpers, and our guy, I think, was in the big blind, so he got to check with 10-3 of clubs. And the flop came out like three, queen, seven, two clubs. So he flopped the heck out of it. And everyone checked to Lindgren, who was on the button, who bet. or No, Lindgren was in early position. He bet. Everyone folded to our guy, and our guy just folded. Yeah, he yikes. He a pair in a flush draw, and he just wasn't ready. So you do have to be ready enough to not fold in that spot. Right. You, like, you don't have to raise. You're welcome to call. That's fine. In fact, it's probably optimal to call. But, like, you, but you can't just throw away a value hand because the, the tournament just started. You, know? no. you have to do better than that. So something I try and remind some of my coaching clients is you have all the time you need. You can take lots and lots of time especially in the beginning in these like long levels, no one's going to say anything if you take a minute or two. Right. And you're probably going to be playing with a lot of people who are used to longer tanks than maybe if you're playing a bunch of $40 home games and stuff like that. Right. Um, And you're probably going to settle in after a little bit. So it's okay to tank in the beginning. Also, I mean, something I often do, if you have nervous energy, just get up and walk around a little bit, like move around. That helps. Speaking of time, don't freak out about if like this can easily happen. And I remember this happened to me, the first $1,500 bracelet event I played. It was when I was like 23 years old, I, I lost a bunch of chips in the first orbit, not a bunch, but you know, at the time we started with 4,500 chips and I lost like 800 chips in the first orbit, which is significant, Sure, but it's fine. You know, like not only do you still have plenty of big blinds, plenty of time, the structure is going to be way better than any structure you've ever played before. Most likely. Like I can't imagine if, if, unless you're playing higher buy-ins other places as well. Like it's incredibly good structures, even though the chips don't feel like numerically a lot, you still have plenty of time. There's no need to freak out early on. 
that's a really, really good piece of advice. I think a lot of people, if they're below even their starting stack, they feel like they have to get back to even. And that is not the way to play a tournament, especially a bigger buy-in tournament. No, no. It's not about getting back to even early and like hitting the reset button. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. It, it, you lose half your stack, that's your new stack. You play that stack. That's right. how you do it until you, you find your opportunities. I actually have another story from last year's Millionaire Maker, which I did not do well in. Um, but it was the first orbit, and there was this guy who sat down on my left, started talking about how he was hungover, um, was clearly kind of like a, a guy who wanted to be gregarious but had a little bit of anger behind him. And he was playing, 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 winning some pots, winning some pots. Then Adrian Mateos comes and sits down two to his oh, left, yeah. which is, you know, not good for the table. For those of you who don't know who Adrian Mateos is, he's one of the greatest players in the world, and he's a complete crusher. He was a, Maybe he's going to be my number three for a guy who's going to win the most bracelets, actually. Yeah, he's, he's, pretty he's a pretty good, yeah. pretty good guess. Um, he comes down and sits two to this guy's left. We have our 7,500 starting stacks. This guy, who's the talker, has built his deck up to 8,500. He loses a hand where he has kings against ace-queen, where the guy with ace-queen just called preflop. This guy bets like three times for no reasons with kings on an ace-high board and loses 2,500. Yeah. So he's down to 5,500 or 6K. I think maybe he was up to 8,500. I think he had 6K. And we were at uh, 5,100. And he opened the button. Adrian Mateos was in the big blind. Three bet him, kind of big. And this guy... Obviously couldn't handle being below starting stack. He actually said the words F U, like the actual words, to Adrian Mateos and moved in for, for his remaining sixty blinds. Sixty blinds. And Adrian Mateos quickly called with Ace Queen right. because he's like, This guy's clearly tilting. And the guy had six seven off. Yeah. Don't be that guy. He right. he got up to eighty five hundred from seventy five hundred, lost one pot, freaked out, and just dumped fifteen hundred bucks. You don't have to do that. There's no need for that. Right. Like, poker is actually a logical game, and you can play it logically. You don't have to make these insane plays that maybe once in a while are going to work out really well, but mostly aren't. You're allowed not to ever make those plays. You're going to do fine if you just don't make those plays. Oh, yeah, by the way, the guy had 6-7 offsuit. Did I not say that? You did say it. I did. did. I'm just thinking of a... um, I think this was in the Millionaire Maker also. Maybe it was the Monster Stack. No, it was the Millionaire Maker, where um, it was like midway through day one, and there was a guy who clearly wasn't... was playing like way too many hands and... Didn't know what he's doing or whatever. So he raises pre, and the big blind three bets him big, big, like five, six X's is like an insane amount. And the guy flats. And then the flop comes out, and it was like, nine, I remember this, nine, seven, four, rainbow. And the big blind moves in for more than the pot. And the other guy who had, you know, just is tanking. And I look at him like, there's no way this guy is Jack 10, right? Because he can't. You can't have Jack 10 here, right? But I feel like he's got Jack 10 suited. <laughs> but he can't call, obviously. But I, feel, I just feel like he's got Jack 10 suited. So he calls for his entire life, and he turns over Jack 10 suited. So he just lost his mind. He lost his mind. He's like, well, I have overs and a gut shot. And this guy who three bet and then just shoved. Like, what are you hoping that guy has? By the way, the guy had one of the best situations you could possibly hope for. He had ace queen. Oh, wow. Guess what? Ace queen held. Like you just the guy broke down and he was done. He didn't have to do any of that. He should have folded pre once he got three bet. And then he should have clearly not called with Jack high for his life for no reason. You yeah. can move in, I guess, but you definitely can't be the guy calling. So he just lost his mind and he was out. And there's just no reason to do that kind of stuff. And that's a big reason why a lot of these bracelet events are plus EV for, yes. for many players. Not e- even if you're not the best player in your town or whatever, like you're just a pretty good player. Still probably plus EV for you as long as you can keep a level head because stuff like these stories that we've just said, these two stories are just 
one example or two examples of how people freak out in the early stages and just immediately become dead money. And there also is just straight up dead money that yeah. you're going to make it all the way through these tournaments, which we see. This is not a World Series event, but like when we made our circuit final table that we both did in yeah. Tahoe, um, we were, I think there were five of us left. There were, and like this this guy who was clearly the, the worst player at the table, the yeah. guy who's not the, not a pro at all. Like right. everyone else I think left was a pro or some version of that, right? Yeah. Or very serious anyway. He limped. Somebody else limped too. I was I was in the big blind with Ace Queen and I put in a big raise and he f- called and everyone else folded and he had like a little more than a pot size bet left, I think. Maybe maybe one and a half X pot. And I was just like, I'm just gonna move this guy in and any flop unless I maybe if I flop an ace, I'll check to him, you know, because he maybe I don't know. Something like that. And the flop was like seven high or something, and I just like put out took a big stack of chips in bet. And he called, which was very bad with my ace queen high. And uh, but then he only had a little bit left. So I blind bet the I blind bet him all in on the turn he blind called, and he had King Jack off suit. <laughs> he had no hand, no draw. And he just went call, call, and was gone. I, I won with ace-queen high, and he was out, and there were four of us left. And it was like, what just happened? How can that happen? You know? Yeah. It was really strange. All this to say, don't be intimidated by the World Series of Poker. Yeah. You, you know, there's people who are going to make mistakes there. Just try your best not to be one of them, you know? Yeah. It's okay to make small mistakes. Yeah. Try not to make really huge mistakes. Right. That are, that are, and there's different kinds of huge mistakes, right? There's huge mistakes where it just doesn't work out, or it was close, but it was a lot of chips, versus huge mistakes where you will, like, remember that for a long time. Like the guy <laughs> with the 6-7. Like, that's an obvious huge mistake. Right. Just shipping 60 blinds pre because you lost the last hand. Right. Yeah. That's completely absurd yeah. to do that. Don't do that. Right. You want to four bet? You could decide to four bet, but you shouldn't be shipping 60 blinds. You just four bet to 20, you four bet to 18x or something. But you probably shouldn't be four betting. Oh, you shouldn't even be opening it. Yeah. But like I'm saying, but like you can four bet and then fold when Mateos moves in or, you know, like all these things can happen that can work out. It's like, it's just whatever. You just do your best to keep it together. Yeah. <laughs> That's my advice. Because you have time. You have time. The structures yeah. are good. Yeah. You have plenty of time. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Let's let's shuffle the deck once more. Oh wow! Perhaps one final time. One final riffle. Yeah, one f- one last riffle. Flick the cigarette. Never see him again. The the friend. Is that rounders or something? No, I just made it up. Oh, okay. It was like poker noir, sort of. No, I mean sort of. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so some of you may know that last year we made a very weak attempt at at uh, vlogging during the World Series. Oh yeah, where we did like one thing. Very weak. I think we only put out one thing. No, we did, we each did one, didn't no, we? No, we never just put out... Just me? Yeah, we only put out yours. Oh, that's right. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so... We this, did not do... Even mine was not very good. I just no, like, it was, did my best It was pretty bad. Yeah. It was actually, honestly pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing this year is we're going to be a lot more prepared. We're act- we've actually hired a professional film crew, and we're going to put at least seven to ten... Uh, like We're going to call them daily documentaries instead of vlogs because... We can call them vlogs now. But they're going to be higher quality. They yeah. are. Like, the... the we've seen the stuff this film crew makes and it's quite beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be like cool elements in it. We're going to try to show us at the world series. We're going to talk about how we're doing like our profit and loss. We're going to show just what the world series is like. And it's, it's going to be a highly produced fun vlog and we're really actually going to do it right this time. There might be some tears also if anyone's running bad or just if it's 5 PM and Jonathan's on camera, that's his cry time. Well, that's completely different. I didn't, I thought we were going to start shooting at six because I need to get that out. But usually it takes a little longer f- before your eyes get a little less puffy. Though. In Vegas, especially with the heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look out for that. Like during the series, we'll be putting that out, uh, you know, periodically. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably twice a week, something yeah, like that. Something like that. And in fact, it's it might very well take the place of some of our other normal video content right. while we're there because we're going to be playing and we're going to be putting that out instead. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. So anyway, I guess that's about all we have to say. If you have any questions about our thoughts about the World Series of Poker or you want to know about other stories or anything, you can tweet at us. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that. All right, thanks for listening. All I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them tongue-tied. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to...